Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, we explore the city of San Antonio, Texas and check out multiple haunted locations. The Menger Hotel, the San Fernando Cathedral, and we booked three nights inside the Emily Morgan Hotel, ranked the third most haunted hotel in the country. This special episode includes evidence from multiple ghost investigations by the Hometown Ghost Stories crew. This is episode number 10 of Hometown Ghost Stories, San Antonio, Texas. The San Fernando Cathedral is a Roman Catholic church located in the center of downtown San Antonio, facing the city's main plaza. It's the seat of the Archbishop of San Antonio and is the oldest church in the state of Texas. Built in 1731, it was named after Ferdinand III. In 1836, the church played a role in the Battle of the Alamo. Santa Anna hoisted his flag there with the words, No Quarter, while initiating his siege of the Alamo. In its early days, parishers and priests were buried within the walls of the church, which was common practice at the time. Restorations over the years have resulted in restless spirits. The outside wall, where many of these priests were buried, has been painted over hundreds of times. It's believed that one of the reasons that they keep painting it over is as the paint washes away, the faces of the dead peer through. Many visitors to the church and people passing by spot orbs and full-bodied apparitions from many different eras walking the grounds, some even taking seats at Sunday Mass. The ghost of a white stallion has been spotted multiple times in and around the cathedral. The horse is said to be the spirit of an animal sacrificed in a peace treaty between Native American tribes. People also report the ghost of monks who walk the grounds and ghostly figures who dash around corners. The most infamous ghost of the cathedral is the spirit of a tall man in a long black coat who seems to stalk visitors, following them around the property at a distance, only to disappear when spotted. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, San Antonio, Texas. The Menger Hotel William Menger migrated from Germany to San Antonio in the early 1840s, and he started the Western Brewery with his partner, Charles Philip Deegan, another German brewmaster. The Western Brewery was the first of its kind in Texas, and by 1878, it became the most successful in the state. Menger bought out Naylor's Brewery in 1868, which was his largest competitor, earning him the nickname, The Beer King. Menger married a widow by the name of Mary Gunther, who owned a boarding house next to the brewery. 
Menger and Mary would eventually expand the boarding house into the Menger Hotel. Built in 1859, the Menger Hotel was the largest in San Antonio at the time. Designed by architect John M. Fries, it was a two-story stone-cut structure with classical details. Menger continued to operate the brewery and even had a cellar built in the hotel with a tunnel connecting the hotel to his brewery. He would take guests back and forth for beer tastings. The 50-room hotel was expanded to 90 guest rooms. The Civil War caused a decline in business, and Menger was forced to shut the hotel down temporarily. They would reopen for the sick and wounded from battle for the rest of the war, turning the hotel into a makeshift hospital. Many soldiers died inside the hotel, and Menger died in March of 1871. The cause of his death is unknown. Mary continued to operate the hotel and brewery even after his death, and the business thrived after the war. She sold the hotel in 1881. The Menger welcomed some of the most famous guests in the country, including General Robert E. Lee, Ulysses S. Grant, some famous authors Sidney Lanier, Oscar Wilde, and William Sidney Porter. In the 1900s, a performer from a traveling fair skipped out on his bill, and he left a 750-pound alligator behind. Management at the time did not remove the alligator, but they named him Bill and allowed him to roam the atrium. Teddy Roosevelt visited the hotel on multiple occasions, most famously in 1898 with his Rough Riders. He set up recruitment headquarters in the patio area of the Menger Hotel, and those who survived the war actually returned to the Menger Hotel in 1905 for a reunion with Teddy Roosevelt. Roosevelt's ghost may be the most famous spirit rumored to haunt the Menger Hotel. Staff report seeing a man at the bar after closing for the night. His translucent figure stands at the bar like a statue and never moves. One employee reported that on his first week on the job, he was closing down the bar for the night. When wrapping up for the evening, he heard a distinct sound behind him. Turning around, he spotted a man standing at the bar. The ghostly figure was staring directly at him. The employee panicked and ran to the doors to leave, but when he reached the doors, he realized he had been locked in. When another employee heard his screams for help, he unlocked the door and the man came barreling through, terrified. The employee quit and never returned to the bar. Sally White was one of the most beloved staff members at the hotel. She loved her job and guests loved her. She was a chambermaid and one of the hotel's finest employees. Her husband, however, Harry Wheeler, was a very jealous man and he did not like the attention that his wife was receiving at the job. On March 28, 1876, his jealousy would be the end of Sally White. On March 27th, Harry threatened to murder Sally. She panicked and ran to the police station. She begged the police officers for help, and they agreed to let her stay at the courthouse for the night until things calmed down. They investigated the claims, but found no evidence to charge Harry. Early the next morning, she returned home to get ready for work. Harry Wheeler was waiting with a gun. Sally ran down the street towards the hotel, but Harry was giving chase. Wheeler caught up to her, grabbed her by the throat, and shot her in the lower abdomen. As she struggled to escape, he shot her again in the back. Sally died two days later inside the hotel, and Wheeler escaped, never being arrested for the murder. The Manger Hotel covered the cost of her funeral and for her coffin. Today, Sally's ghost is said to lurk on the third floor of the Menger Hotel. 
She is said to pass through walls carrying towels and sheets as if she's still working. One guest reported getting out of the shower to see the ghost of Sally at the end of her bed folding towels. In 1890, H.H. Childers, an Austin insurance agent, showed up to the barroom of the Menger Hotel. He walked up to the bar, took a gun from his holster, and proceeded to murder a man by the name of Jim Draper. The motive was never revealed, and Childers was sentenced to 25 years in prison. Draper's ghost is said to be one of the 45 different spirits rumored to haunt the hotel. Guests report hearing disembodied voices saying, Why? and Who are you? followed by the sound of a gunshot. In 1903, a clerk took a knife and slit his own throat in the hotel. Nobody really knows why, but what they do know is that his spirit is still said to haunt the Menger, and guests have reported hearing the sound of a man gurgling on his own blood, gasping for air. The Battle of the Alamo The Battle of the Alamo was fought in 1836 during the Texas Revolution, and is considered to be the turning point in Texas's fight for independence from Mexico. Texan revolutionaries defended the Alamo for 13 days against the forces of Santa Ana, the Mexican dictator who attacked the stronghold with an army of around 1,500 troops in an attempt to take back Texas. Colonel James Neal reached out to Sam Houston for reinforcements. This was when Davy Crockett and around 100 reinforcements arrived to defend the Alamo, bringing their total to only 189 troops. Santa Ana arrived, waving a red flag which meant there would be no surrender for the Texans. The battle took place from February 23rd to March 6th. On the morning of March 6th, with the Texans running out of ammunition, Santa Ana's troops would storm the Alamo, killing the remaining revolutionaries and giving chase to Sam Houston's forces. Six weeks after the Battle of the Alamo, Santa Ana's army would make a crucial mistake and let down their guard in a small prairie called San Jacinto. The Texas Army led a charge against the Mexican camp, and 18 minutes later, the battle was won. So how was Santa Ana caught off guard? The Mexican general was being entertained in his tent by a woman named Emily West, a 20-year-old indentured servant who had been captured by the Mexican Army on April 16, 1836. She was indentured to Colonel James Morgan, which is why she took on the name Emily Morgan. She delayed Santa Ana long enough for the Texans to storm the camp, and less than 20 minutes later, the battle was won. The Emily Morgan Hotel Built in 1924 on the original site of the Alamo's long barracks, the building was originally constructed as a medical arts building, with family doctor's offices, dentists, surgical floors, and emergency rooms. The building also had a morgue and a crematorium. The facility employed over 100 medical professionals, ranging from dentists to surgeons, and had an entire psychiatric unit. In 1976, the hospital closed and the building turned into an office building, until it was eventually sold and transformed into a hotel in 1984, going through a large-scale renovation and reopening as the Emily Morgan Hotel. In 2012, the building was purchased by the Hilton family and turned into a Doubletree while keeping the Emily Morgan name and undergoing another massive multi-million dollar renovation. From the soldiers who died on the property during the Texan Revolution to the countless people who died in the hospital and its fair share of suicides and murders as a hotel, the Emily Morgan has turned into a hotbed of paranormal activity. USA Today ranked the Emily Morgan as the third most haunted hotel 
in the world. Several floors of the hotel are said to be extremely haunted. The seventh floor, which was formerly the psych ward, the ninth floor, which was the surgical floor, the 14th floor, which was a waiting area, and the basement, which was the Morgan crematorium. In 1984, when the building was first purchased to be turned into a hotel, the construction crew entered the basement to begin renovations. What they found was hundreds of boxes filled with human ashes from unclaimed bodies. With nowhere to put the ashes, the crew dumped them out, spreading the ashes on the ground of the hotel. People report the smell of burning flesh and cremation from the basement. Local legend claims that the pool was constructed from melted down steel from the hospital gurneys before it was renovated. At night, you could still hear the gurneys being wheeled down the hallways, accompanied by strange moans and labored breathing, only to reveal that nobody is walking the halls. Staff report an unusually high number of guests requesting to change their rooms in the middle of the night, or checking out at odd hours of the night, many with several days still on their reservations. Staff and guests report doors opening and closing on their own, bathtubs turning on by themselves, and faucets turning on and off throughout the night. The elevators have been reported to have a mind of their own, dropping customers off at the wrong floors, buttons being pressed by something unseen, and changing direction. Some guests have reported being brought to the ninth floor, but when the doors open, they are greeted by the sight of the fully functional hospital with doctors wheeling patients around, going about their business as if they have temporarily time-traveled back to the 1930s. When the doors close and reopen, they are back at the Emily Morgan Hotel as if nothing had changed. The full-bodied apparition of a woman has been spotted on the seventh floor, with some seeing her flicker in and out of sight, followed by a blood-curdling scream echoing through the hallways. Many guests report receiving unexpected phone calls throughout the night, with someone breathing heavily on the other side. Staff report getting emergency calls from the lobbies and the elevator, only to reveal that nobody is in the elevators or the lobby at that time. A woman in white has been seen all around the hotel, only to disappear around a corner. The ghosts of Mexican and American soldiers have been spotted on the ground floor and in the basement of the hotel. People around the hotel have reported hearing the sound of gunshots and cannon fire, as well as the smell of gunpowder and faint screams of dying soldiers. So we decided to take a trip to San Antonio and see this hotel for ourselves. Dave, Andrew, aka Captain McSlugs, and myself flew to Texas for our first time to meet up with our youngest brother, Seth, who was stationed in the Navy out there. We arrived at the Emily Morgan Hotel and we were greeted by staff and presented with their famous cookies. We ate the cookies, and they were delicious. We asked the man behind the counter to place us on the most haunted floor in the most haunted room, and he enthusiastically informed us that the seventh floor, which was the former psych ward, was the place to be if we wanted to see some ghosts. We booked three nights on the seventh floor and proceeded to the haunted elevator. The elevator didn't drop us into a 1930s hospital, but seemed to operate just fine. We arrived on the seventh floor and the doors opened. We checked into our room. The hotel wasn't particularly busy at the time, and we seemed to be the only ones on the seventh floor for the first night, which added to the already eerie feeling in the hotel. We dropped up our bags, set up a camera to roll while we were away, and headed to the hotel bar in the lobby. 
We ordered a few rounds of drinks and began chatting with the bartender about the location. The bartender had a few ghost stories of her own. She informed us that one night while closing up, she felt like someone was staring at her. She turned to the corner of the bar and spotted a black shadowy figure dressed in 19th century clothes and he was staring at her with black eyes. The spirit grabbed her arm and she screamed and ran to the basement informing her co-workers that there was a ghost at the bar. They laughed it off and said, get used to it, this place is full of them. She also showed us a picture that she took in the basement with a co-worker. In the live shot, you could see several orbs moving around. As we finished up our drinks, a strange woman came and sat next to us at the bar. She didn't say a word, but she turned around and looked at us and hissed like a cat. This wouldn't be the first strange person we would run into in San Antonio, but it was certainly odd. The hotel was one of the coolest gothic-looking buildings in the city. It towered over the other buildings in the area, almost looking like a castle, complete with creepy gargoyles from the building's days as a hospital. Each gargoyle depicted someone suffering from a different ailment, whether it was toothache, old age, mental illness, etc. The building was quite literally next to the Alamo. When you walk out the front doors of the hotel, you're staring at the historic walls. For the first two nights, we didn't catch much in terms of evidence of the afterlife, but we weren't really looking. Instead, we were exploring the city, checking out the river walk, and taking ghost tours. The tours were fantastic, and they took us to a bunch of locations that I hadn't heard about. We did our fair share of research on the city before heading to Texas, which was what landed us at the Emily Morgan Hotel, but the tours were very well done, and they showed us a series of pictures that were captured on the tours by guests, which showed some really shocking photos of ghosts that were captured at the Manger Hotel and the San Fernando Cathedral. We heard rumors that on the 12th and 14th floor of the Emily Morgan Hotel, it still smells like a hospital. Andrew was a firefighter and a paramedic, and he was unaware of the claims when we explored these floors. But the second that we got off the elevator to the 12th floor, the smell hit us. Andrew's exact words before any of us said anything was, huh, formaldehyde. That's the smell of formaldehyde. On our final night, I headed back to the hotel room to throw some beers on ice and charge up some cameras while Andrew and Dave met with a witch named Christian. He worked at Bad Wolf Ghost Tours, and Christian was awesome. Dave and Andrew were looking to get their palms read. Andrew called me and said, get back here, we're conjuring demons. While intrigued, I needed to charge up my phone before heading out for another ghost tour that night. While alone in the room, I noticed that it felt colder than usual. I fired up the spirit box to see if I could communicate with any ghosts lingering on the seventh floor. I asked a series of the usual questions. Who are you? How many of you are here? Are you a man or a woman, etc., with nothing solid coming through the spirit box, until I asked its name. And this wouldn't be the first time in the room that a voice came through and said, Jesus. Now, I don't believe that Jesus was using the spirit box to communicate with me, but it's pretty common for evil entities to mock religion using the name of Jesus. Back at Bad Wolf Ghost Tours, Andrew and Dave had convinced Christian to sell them a demon. That's right. If it wasn't enough to be staying in the most haunted hotel in San Antonio, ranked the third most haunted hotel in the world, Andrew wanted to conjure up a demon, trap it in a makeshift Dybbuk box, and bring it back to the hotel. Christian was awesome, and he took these things very seriously. He warned Andrew of the risks he was taking by trapping this entity in a box and bringing it around. Worst case scenario, if Andrew were to open this box, he could die. Best case scenario, it just haunts him forever. 
Not exactly a win-win, but Andrew was all in. Christian sent us on a bit of a side quest before we could trap this demon in a box. For one, we needed a box. Also, we needed a black candle, which was harder to find than we anticipated. We found a shop down the street which happened to sell some pretty creepy hand-carved items, including a box, which looked like the only purpose it could ever serve was to hold something evil inside and never be opened under any circumstances. It was perfect. We bought the box, finally found an overpriced black candle, and returned with our side quest items in tow. Christian sat us around a table. We held hands and performed his dark magic seance to conjure up a Kikimora poltergeist and trap it in this box forever. So we settled on a poltergeist instead of a demon, for Andrew's sake. Christian informed us that this poltergeist would get more aggressive over time. It could move things in the house, make noises, or get people around the box sick. While we were all a little bit skeptical on the legitimacy of this process, in the off chance that it was legit, we'd rather that Andrew didn't perish miserably because he messed around with black magic. We were also amateurs and didn't really know what we were messing with. But Christian sealed the box with wax from the black candle and wrapped the box in black yarn across the creepy face that was carved on top of the box, blindfolding this horrifying carved head forever. We took our creepy haunted box back to the hotel, and that's when paranormal activity in our room went from casual to extreme. We started off with some spirit box sessions, and once again the same voice came through, telling us his name was Jesus. It also kept going back to the same phrase over and over. The box. The box. And I'm here. We asked how many spirits were in the room. It said five. And then it said six. The energy in the room changed, and it felt heavy. It felt stuffy despite the AC being on. And then the lights. We had asked it to show itself, and for the first time in the three days that we were there, the lamp next to the bed started to flicker. We pointed the cameras at it and tried it again. Andrew told whatever it was to, quote, give us a sign, and then the lights went nuts. They started flickering more than they had before, and we got it all on tape. We tried to debunk it by shaking the table, wiggling the wire, slamming on the table, and jumping up and down on the floor, and nothing could make it flicker again. One of the more shocking pieces of evidence we caught was something that Christian had warned us about just hours before. He told us that the Kikimora would start knocking from inside the box, and it did just that. Two clear knocks came from the box, and they were loud. That night, I couldn't sleep. I'd doze off and wake up every 10 minutes in a cold sweat. I could feel myself getting sicker and sicker as the night progressed, and all I could think about was that box sitting in the middle of the floor in our hotel room. At one point I got up, shivering uncontrollably to a point where everyone actually woke up and wondered what the hell was wrong with me. I could barely speak, my teeth were chattering so bad. Now I could have been just getting sick, it could have been ironic timing, but this is one of the things that Christian had warned us about. Dave also woke up with a brutal cough, and with a flight to catch in a few hours, it was time to figure out what were we going to do with this box. As we recapped the events of the night before, we had to decide if it was a good idea for us to take this box on a plane home. We decided to play it safe and mail it back to ourselves, just in case. After all, we didn't want some TSA agent opening up this haunted box. Was it the spirits of the hotel that were responding to us the night before, or was it something in that box? It could have been both, but the activity in that room was different that final night. 
We were getting hits on the EMF detector throughout the evening, while on previous nights, it didn't budge. Multiple EVPs and intelligent responses on the spirit box paired with the lights flickering and the temperature changes in the room. We could certainly say that the seventh floor of the Emily Morgan Hotel in San Antonio did not disappoint. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, San Antonio, Texas. Episode number 10 of Hometown Ghost Stories. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob Coakley and Dave Wilkins. What's up, guys? How are you? What's up? Nice job. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so this is a big episode. This is a big episode. So first of all, that was another one where we did like an actual investigation at the location. Stayed in the city for four days, three nights. Awesome city. Saw so much. You know, it was, uh, it was something, man. It was, uh, it was very cool. And um, we have a couple special guests. We have a couple special guests. So Andrew is going to join us. Uh, Captain Mick Slugs, featured in the video, as you saw him. <laughs> Welcome into the stream, Andrew. Well, hello. Welcome. He's Captain Mick Slugs. You can uh, check him out on TikTok. Very, very successful TikTok account. The one and only Captain Mick Slugs. In the, the flesh. Only. Welcome to the show. I'm pretty sad that I wasn't able to join you guys on this uh, on this trip. But it did feel slightly incomplete without your uh, uh, without your presence. Warms my heart. Yes, but it looks awesome. Like uh, so, I've been to to San Antonio before. Obviously, I was much younger. I was like 12 years old. So, ghost hunting wasn't part of the agenda for that trip, of course. But we went to the Alamo. I honestly don't remember the Emily Morgan Hotel. I'm sure it was still there. How could you? Well, I mean, maybe. It's such a large, monolithic, ominous presence. I feel like it's hard to miss. Yeah, but it's 20 plus years ago. So, yeah, unless Um, you're seeking it out. I mean, obviously, it's towering over the Alamo, but, you know, if you didn't know what it was, then it is what it is. So, also joining us on the show, uh, we're going to bring in Christian, who was the, uh, he was the the witch from Bad Wolf Ghost Tours. What's up, Christian? Hello. How are you guys? Thank you. Great. Good to see you. Good to see y'all. Nice to meet you for the first time, Christian. Uh, Nice to meet you, too. So we wanted to update you on the box. So obviously there's the history of the the city, which we'll get into, but I wanted to bring you on and talk about the whole process that we went through and, um, you know, what what exactly we we tied to Andrew. And uh, so we settled on a poltergeist instead of a, a, a demon, which I think... Yes. Probably a good decision. And uh, <laughs> why don't you just tell us a little bit about the uh, about the box and what we did there? Um, all right. So what we did was make a a divic box of sorts. Um, while my method was my own, basically what we did is we used a vessel to seal a malignant, malign, or mischievous spirit. In this case, it was more malignant than uh, just mischievous. Um, and seal it because, well, I was requested and, and I was paid for said transaction. Um, so um, my morals are questionable enough to do that. 
Um, but so the spirit that we did, which um, we didn't fully do a, a seance. We didn't communicate with the spirit. Um, we did a small ritual where I bound the spirit as seen in the little bit of a uh, clips, which should have got a more flattering angle, but you know, Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's perfectly fine. Um, so a, uh, we used a Kikimora, which is a Slavic house demon, house spirit, if you will. Uh, the term demon in Western culture is so misappropriated and bastardized that any malignant spirit, people want to jump to and call it a demon, when in fact it's just, yes, it is on a darker um, wavelength and it will cause harm. But it's not one of the goetic demons, so it's not a true demon in that regard if we're looking at the Judeo-Christian mythos. This Kikimura is poltergeist. It will knock, it will scratch, it will hide things, it may attack. It all depends on how bad we made it mad, and clearly, from the activity that you guys got, we, we made it pretty mad. And so I conjured forth said entity and bound it uh, where we did our little ritual. And I'm glad to see that every, well, most of the things that I said would come to pass have. So. Yeah. The, uh, Ada, why don't you give us a little update? I'm sorry, Captain McSlugs. Why don't you give us a little update on, uh, uh, you had documented a timeline of activity that's gone on since the box got to the house. And like we said in the episode, we actually decided to mail the box back just to be safe that TSA didn't open the box or yeah. Safe for you guys. Not the people that had to deliver it. To, to Massachusetts. Just, at least they're, yeah, that's true. I guess it probably did end up flying anyways, but we, uh, you know, we're, we're looking out for ourselves. We're like, do we want to get on a plane with a poltergeist? Maybe not. I think as a general rule, it's best to not, if you can avoid unleashing a poltergeist onto a plane. And if we do, unleash not, it, so they don't have to make a Samuel L. Jackson movie about it. Yeah. Let's unleash it on the mailman instead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whatever give us a little timeline on uh on what's been going on since you got the box all right so i received the box um it was in the morning approximately 10 27 a.m because i remember specifically when it arrived because that's when i got woken up by my dogs flipping out um i walked out of the bedroom uh my dog toast who's a husky was uh going absolutely ballistic and uh, my dog, Drogo, who is also husky, uh, threw up right on the floor. <laughs> None of these are unusual. But it did happen at the, uh, the exact time that the box did arrive in the mailbox. So I thought that was odd. So I opened up the, um, the cardboard box that the box was shipped in. And it had not been opened. However, it was covered in dust already. I imagine some of the contents may have spilled out. I don't know if that means a poltergeist spilled out. <laughs> Possible. Maybe it just got dusty in the, uh, in the transition. It could have just gotten dusty. But since then, I have not opened the box, and the box is uh, it's doing very well. I keep it uh, in this room where I am right now. And I haven't had anything super unexplainable happen. Doesn't um, it continue to attract dust? It does accumulate dust at a wild rate. It's very dusty. Every time I wipe off the dust, it gets more dust. Hmm. Don't know. I keep it inside a drawer. And so. something happened in the kitchen, too. Didn't you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, Catherine and I were sitting in the living room, and I heard a, or we both heard a bang in the kitchen. So we went to go investigate, and we found the ceiling 
ceiling fan remote just in the middle of the kitchen floor. It was on a shelf above the sink. It could have just fallen, but I hadn't touched it in days. No reason for it to fall other than a poltergeist. Other than a poltergeist, let's jump right to that. (laughs) So with it continuing to collect dust, Christian, is there anything with that where it just continues to just accumulate filth? So, yes, this is one thing that can happen when you have malefic um, spirits. Uh, with the original Dybbuk box, um, the famous one that's been you know passed around, many different people have it. It always seems to be filthy, no matter how much time, how many times you try to clean it. Um, whether there'll be flies, insects, always attracted to it, it'll get cluttered around it. Um, there's many different um, schools of thought and theories on why that is. I personally do believe that it is the spirit. It's wanting to get attention. It wants to bring whatever it can to it. And dust particles are really easy to move the slightest breeze, the slightest breath, anything that will blow over to it. And also, if something's dusty, it obscures what it really is. And that, I believe, you know, um, heightens the chance of somebody accidentally opening it or smudging it enough for it to get released. Because if you're just, if you don't know what it is, and no one's told you, and you're just cleaning or whatnot, or get curious, who knows what could happen. You know, you can hit a little too hard. Um, But it could be a coincidence. Maybe the wood is magnetized, or, you know, I'm not there. I I, I don't know your home. But I do know that this is something that does happen. And also, it seems to be another um, arc and plot in like horror movies everything's always dusty when there's something evil quote-unquote evil around you know i really do though think that it goes back to the idea of obscuring what it truly is right uh okay so that so there's some legitimacy to all those claims then there's also you know the fact that it's potentially moving stuff around inside the house so you have to keep us posted and we'll keep everybody here posted on more things that happen uh, I do want to bring on our final guest, which is the Kikimora box itself. Welcome to the show, Kikimora. Your mic is muted. Anyways, we'll keep it <laughs> Yeah, I didn't rolling. want Kikimora picking up my voice. <laughs> yes. Uh, you did give it its own headset, which is nice. A beautiful candle uh, and an EMF detector. So I guess we'll <laughs> see if uh, any spikes happen on the EMF detector. For audio listeners, we have a, uh, a separate camera going here on the uh, YouTube stream of the uh, actual Kikimora box. So if you want to check it out, tune into the YouTube channel and you can see the Kikimora in its box, still wrapped in yarn. So Christian, like other than this particular box, do you have any other personal experiences with one or other stories from people like close that you've worked with that, that are, that you find more interesting than others? Well, so funny enough where I work at a ghost tour, we really don't talk too much about ghost experiences outside, you know, the tours themselves, which I shamelessly have not been on a full ghost tour where I work. Um, but no, I haven't come across anyone who has came in contact with a Dybbuk box or has some spirit bound object. I do have a lot of people though, friend and strangers alike that come to me asking for one. Which is really weird because it is seems to be a, a hot commodity in the paranormal collector's field to want to have a potential dangerous being in their home. So I can't say so much to others having Dybbuk boxes. I can, though, speak to being called out when I was in Wyoming 
going to people's homes to cleanse and deal with spirits from the odd Ouija board to people practicing more so dabbling rather than practicing and opening doors that they couldn't close. So I can speak more to that, but not so much to anyone having a Dybbuk box. Well, that kind of ties into our episode from last week. Um, I'm not sure if you were able to get, check that one out, but basically what we were trying to figure out at the end of our show last week was there was a spirit that was haunting a home. And when the paranormal investigators came in, the spirit had attached itself to the teenage daughter's guitar. Okay. So it wasn't his guitar, but supposedly he had a love of music. Have you heard of stuff like that happening where it's not his particular own item from when he was alive? Yes. So spirits more so of the departed, those who were once human that have uh, moved on, they still retain their personality. What they like in life is what they still like in death. And if this spirit, uh, um, whatever manner that it w- became attached or bound into that home, would go after anything that made it feel you know, happy like we do. If it, that mm. individual spirit liked music, it only makes sense that it would go to a musical object. Um, some spirits, though, have a extreme jealousy. So if anyone may have touched that guitar, I, I don't know if anyone did, but the spirit might act out because it's tethering them further to the mortal plane, if you will, uh, the, the realm in which we exist. And so I believe that, yeah, and I have seen spirits attach themselves to objects or things that they like in that regard. Um in my workings as a a paranormal investigator and being called out when things went too far bumpy in the night that people couldn't handle it. So yeah, that makes absolute sense. When you say you got called out, do you you mean like- It means literally, not figuratively. Yes, people would call me in the middle of the night, ranging anywhere from midnight to 4.30 in the morning um, because my my number got passed around. People knew who I was. So you were getting called out to go help them with that situation. Okay, I thought you were called out like, like, hey, what the hell? Okay. Oh, that too. I, <laughs> I got that side of it as well. It's not all just like, oh, yeah, go go call the witch. No, it's like um, you called the witch. You know he's going to hell. And I'm like, well, if I'm going, I'll take the spirit with me. I don't know what you want, but, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, no, I've had uh, both being called out in public for being a witch, uh, getting, you know, threats uh, and some slanders towards me, and then also literally being called on the phone by people, hey, I can't sleep. Something's going on. Please come down here. And apparently, so what do you my- do in those situations? You go there and you just kind of cleanse the area. And well, so first I I go there. I want to calm the person down as much as I can because not all the time is a spirit there. The person can just be freaking themselves out. Hyper imaginations and active imaginations are a thing. And if you're in an older house, yeah, it's going to make sounds. Um, there could be animals in there. So my first thing that I do, I get there. I talk to them. I, I hear what they have to say. I don't talk. Um, besides asking, you know, some important questions to try to determine what it is, but I want to make sure that they feel comfortable. And then I will ask them if they mind if I walk around the house to see if I get anything. And they're more than welcome to accompany me. Most of them do. And I really encourage that because it makes them feel secure. They don't want to be alone anyways. So we'll walk the house. I'll see if I get anything, if I feel anything. And then if there is something there or if there's not, I will still do a minor cleansing. It makes them feel comfortable, gives them that security. 
and I give them, I normally bring a charm that I made myself and I give it to them say, okay, look, keep this close. This will help you get through the night tomorrow. If the activity is still you know, going on, please call me back. Now, if it is in the terms of something extreme going on, then I'll get to work right then and there if they want, or if they do believe that they can hold out till daylight, then I go there and I'll spend hours doing everything that I can to ward, protect, and remove. Awesome. Wow. So that's pretty cool. It's cool that you do like house calls on these situations. Go ahead, Rob. Do you have a particular case that you remember that just like stands out more than the others that you want to share? So I have, I have two cases that really stand out, but they're very different um, because one was of an, a malicious spirit, uh, someone that was intentionally trying to harm me and the individual. The other one is often overlooked. It was a land spirit who was just mad. And so the way that they acted were very different, but the one where the malicious spirit was very pervasive, I was called out to this trailer park. I think it's called Sage View was the name of the trailer park. Uh, but anyways, or Purple Sage. However, I get called out there in the middle of the night. It was 2.30. I remember it. This person calls me as a lady. And she's like, hey, are you Christian? Um, my friend um, told me about you. You did their cars. You did a cleansing for them. They tell me that and I, you know, they told them about what I did. And I was like, yep, that's me. And my insomniatic self was like, I was already up. So why not have a 2.30 in the morning conversation? I tell them, all right, meet me at the parking lot of the local grocery store, Smith's. So we get there, and this person comes out, and they're shaking, they're trembling, they're holding their crucifix necklace that they have, and you can tell they just got done crying. Something was really flustering them. And so I talk to them, I try to calm them down, ask them what's going on. They told me that there's something in their house, and it goes into their room, and the doors won't stop slamming. They can't get a good night's sleep. They stop burning. And I'm like, okay, well, clearly... They need help. I ask them if they want me to come over that night or do they have a place to stay? Do they, what do they want? And they said, they're going to spend the night at their friend's house. If they wouldn't mind me coming over in the morning, I said, sure, I'll be over whatever time. And so the time comes around, I think it was like 1030 in the morning. They just got their child school and they were settling down in the house trying to clean. I get there and it was really weird because driving to the address, I was like, I've been to this trailer park before. I have friends that live there. It just feels weird. And that could just be me going into my own head. Uh, that could possibly be possible. I'm you know, trying to pr mentally prepare myself for the worst or possibly the best. But I'm going there and I just start getting this cloudiness, like almost like a sinus pressure headache. It's, it's slowly growing and my anxiety is building. And so I get there and I'm looking at it and it's not a house that you would suspect. It's not a trailer. It, was like, it just looks like an average day trailer. And then I cross over into the property from the fence I go to the door and it just feels off. And I'm like, okay. So I knock on the door. They let me in and just in the house, it's just etherically quiet, like eerily quiet. And that that's the first thing. Like they shouldn't be that quiet. The wind's yeah, blowing in a, outside. In a trailer in a trailer park too. It's like you, you expect that always to be kind of, you should be able yeah. to hear everything going on. Right. Indeed. And that was a real, like something's going on. And so I talk to them. I say, this is what we're going to do with your allowance of it. I'm going to go to each room. I'm going to do a minor banishing ritual. I would like you to keep the back door open, close the front door. And then once I'm done, I'm going to continue my ritual using my broom that I brought to sweep out the bad spirits. And then I'm going to ward. 
And so they said, okay, thank you. I go through there. I'm going from one end of the house to the other. I start with the youngest kid's room, the bathroom, and then I make my way throughout the house. And as I'm going, I pass one door and that's just when the chill hit me and I start to tear up. Now that's my sign that there's a spirit there is that all my eyes will get watery for no reason. I could be the happiest person in the world and then just tears. That's always been my signal since I was a kid that there is something here and then the chill doesn't help. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to deal with this room last. I go around into it and oh, I'm starting to get goosebumps just uh, <laughs> rethinking it. Um, I go into the room. They have a blue curtain. So it has this really weird, just blue tin as the sun's coming through. The, the closet door was open. It's always the closets. It's always the closets that get me. And, and I'm like, all right, got to go there. Seen too much Annabelle. It's fine. I go in <laughs> through there. I get the closet. Nothing was in there. Great. And I go from each corner and I'm about to get back to the door. And that's when I feel it. Something grabs me back. Doesn't push me forward. It grabs me back. And I turn around. Nothing's there. So my mind, something's trying to, to distract me. It doesn't want me to continue what I'm doing. It wants me to pay it attention. Not going to do it. I want to finish what's going on. I leave the room and I just start coughing. Like worst cough possible. And I wasn't using sage or mugwort at this time. I was going through with a bell. There should be nothing there that could irritate my throat. And it was all like right here in my larynx um, where my Adam's apple is even just itchy burning. I'm like, fine. I'm going to complete it. I go outside wasn't Corona. This was before that. So we're good on that case. Um, I finish, finish doing that. And I'm like, all right, here, keep this bell with you. Ring it three times and say the incantation that I gave them. That will keep you well for tonight. I'm not quite sure what it is yet. Do you mind if I go in with the lights off and so I start taking pictures to see if I can get any orbs, any apparition. And they said, yes, please go through there. No orbs, no nothing. So, all right. So I thought maybe I was just getting in my own head. I was jerking myself back. I said, well, please call me. I'm going to go do some further research on the property if I can to see if anything's going on. But I do need you to be honest with me. Has anyone practiced anything, tried to do anything here? And she's like, no, no one has. I felt like maybe she's just uncomfortable. It's a very religious area where I'm at. And I understand talking about that, let alone going to me out of all people. It, it's a spiritual uncomfortability. I understand that. It was just odd. So I go. Was this in, was this in Texas? No, this was in Wyoming. I've only oh, okay. uh, recently moved back to Texas back in this October. Um, All right. So I go back home that night. I get another call. It wasn't the same number. I'm like, okay. Hello, Christian Stout speaking. How may I assist you? And they were like, hey, I'm the boyfriend of such and such. Shit's going on. Excuse my language. I'm sorry for cussing. That's um, okay. You're fine. That's just saying what he was. And we need you back. And I'm like, okay. This was around 9.30 at night. So, you know, early evening, <clears throat> late evening. I go back there and he's sitting there. She's sitting on the couch and she looks uncomfortable and he looks mad. And I'm like, oh, do they think they get, they get the wrong idea? Is that, was that with this? No. no. It's just like, she didn't tell you the truth. She had a Ouija board. She was doing this. And my first thing is that Ouija boards aren't bad. They're only harmful in the hands of the inept. 
and stupid teenagers at that point. If you don't know how to use it and you don't appreciate it, then it can cause issues. But on its own, having a Ouija board is not going to do anything. It's just like having any plank of wood in your house. Uh, but anyways, she tried to burn it and bury it under their front doorstep. Like they had, it went up like a little stairwell up to their door. Why did she do that? I can't really say. She never really gave an answer as to why. I would say because she was a shameful. Maybe things were happening. She thought destroying the board was the best option. And she was trying to hide it. I get it being in a heavily Mormon and Catholic area. Sorry, um, okay. LDS. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I get it. But at the same time. I would definitely I not recommend for- lighting something on fire and then throwing it underneath your house. <laughs> That's a bad idea. <laughs> yes. Um, remember, fire safety, no matter even if you're spiritually <laughs> awake or not, um, don't don't burn something under your house. And so I asked if it's still there. They said yes. So I go there. I find the pieces. They weren't even burnt all the way. They're just a little bit charred. Some of it, you know, was burnt. So I get it. And I'm like, why didn't you just tell me when I asked you, was anyone doing anything? And, you know, she's like, ah. I'm like, all right, fine. However, I take the pieces and I do tell them that you, well, this was a door and now you just took the door off its hinges. What do you want me to do in this case? They're like, well, can you close the door? I'm like, we can make a new door or attempt to, but you've now opened. I really don't like the term portal, but you, you've made a little incision between the veils, if you will. And you're going to allow spiritual energy to flow through because you've tried to connect to the other side. So I'm, told them I'll get my friends to see if they'll come by. I have a small little group that we all practice together and I get them, they come over and we go to the rooms. We're just like, all right, we're going to just try to seal it in every way possible. We have the items. We put it in my hand hammered copper cauldron. It's great. It's beautiful. I'll send you guys a picture of it one day. Um, put it in there. I take my Florida water. I douse it. I add my herbs, which I was then using mandrake root, a little bit of wolf's paint. It's just a really pretty flower, but mostly of it, it was rose petals, thyme, rosemary, and cinnamon is, was the main parts of it beyond those two just witchy sounding herbs that I had, which their magical properties do line up with protection though. Um, so I do that. We're about to burn it to get the energy flowing, get the smoke up to start what is known as smudging. Most people do smudging with mugwort or sage is when you have the bundle and the feather of your hand, you're going Mm -hmm. around. Um, We're doing that. And that's when the activity started. We heard an audible growl coming out of the bedroom. Oh, the chills. And I have to go back there. That's where it is. We start back in that room and push it across the house, but it did not want to leave. The clothes started rustling in the closet. The bed was shaking. It was just very intense and the goosebumps. Uh, that, was, that was the only time I was actually terrified in my, in my work. Just, I don't do well with closets to begin with. They're just small, compact, dark. And I go in there. I'm trying to get it out. I go into it. I have this, the smoke going and then it's gone. The room becomes quiet. The growling stopped. We go back. I'm starting to do the rest of it. And the last was the bathroom. I go to open it. And that is when the back of the toilet seat was flung. There was two other people at the event that can confirm this. It was the only time I ever had something thrown at me 
that was such so heavy. Normally, it's like things being knocked over at me, but that was the back of the toilet. The lid, the lid for the tank. Yes, yeah, so like, oh, the wow. lid of the tank oh, wow. was flung at me. And that is heavy. Like a solid ten, seven to ten pounds. <clears throat> oh, it, it was terrifying. It was the only time that I thought my life could possibly be in peril because if it could lift that up, let alone just no pulling back, if that is what it was, it was unnerving to the point. But we do the cleansing on it. The starts dying down, and we go over to where they tried to bury the remains of the Ouija board. And I take what the little bit that I have left from the powder from what has been burned, sprinkle over it. I try to seal it back up, and I do place a little ward totem that I made. I hand carved earlier that day. It was like a god's eye, if you will, of it. Put it in there. But I do tell them that there's nothing else I can do here. I can't fully close that door that you opened. If I had the Ouija board itself, I could then, you know, tether that door to it. And as long as you don't mess with it, we can do like what the Warrens did with Annabelle and put it behind a glass box and say, do not touch. Right. Like I, there's this misunderstanding a lot of people have with magic that I can just work miracles. This ain't Harry Potter. I can't do that as much as I wish I could. So that was the most terrifying. Mm -hmm. Did you, were there any like um, drops in temperature? Or like weird smells. So besides, that's just the co- the coughing is what got me. There was no weird smells, but it was just quiet. The dead quiet is what got me. The shift in it, though, the house was already naturally a cool house. The mm. ambient temperature. I know they kept their house around sixty five as it was during the summers when I was there. So I can't say that there was that. Now that has happened in other places I've been to with that, but this one it just the house was already cold. But it was that unnatural quiet. It was so unsettling. Yeah. Especially that in a, is what got me. Uh, like a, a motor home, too. Where it's oh, definitely. Paper, paper thin, and that's crazy. So, two things, real quick. The, the goosebumps thing, I, I feel you on that because, like, every time I tell the story of the North Street house, which was episode one of this series, I when I talk about a specific part, I still get the goosebumps every time I tell the story. And I've probably told that story 20 times. And I get that every time. Cause I just remember that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, as you were telling your story, I don't know if anyone else caught else caught this, the two parts where you talked about the activity, the, mm-hmm. the paranormal activity, the EMF reader next to the Kikimora spiked i was i was seeing that flash did you see that i didn't Mm. even catch that yeah both times you talked about the (laughs) the paranormal activity is when that it hasn't done anything else since but when you talked about those two things yeah i I was going to point that out that it has been spiking and it's it's weird that and you bring it up rob that it's spiking at those times where you're talking about that i don't know if that has anything to do with it but like still the Kikimora is wearing headphones at this exact moment, so maybe it is listening. <laughs> it could be. It could be. <laughs> the headphones I, are. I'm going to say they're not probably hooked up. I would imagine zero <laughs> percent chance. <laughs> uh, you, uh, when you were telling, so when you showed up to the location, you said you brought a broom and two. Yes. Two, so does that a? Is that a? I've never heard of that ritual before. So, I'm I'm not Wicca, and I'm what's called a traditional witch. We're old school, if you will. Our practices are heavily individualistic and based on tradition. Um, I'm the founder of my own tradition, but brooms are a very powerful tool. Um, in Wicca and modern magic, it's referred to as a besom, 
and they don't let you're not supposed to touch the floor with it is highly ceremonial and even in traditional witchcraft we have that but i'm a practical person i want to sweep with it spiritually and physically it's going to the bristles are going to touch the ground i'm, I'm just I'm just saying um, very folk magic to have it brooms are a very magical to, tool to have if it knocks over from a standing position an uninvited guest is going to appear anytime my broom is knocked over that saying has always came true brooms can be used as a staff when invoking it's great for banishing and sweeping in it is a just a very powerful tool it's a common household item as well and of course the iconic witch with a broom um, motif goes with was, it that's what i was gonna ask it was uh, you know you call a witch to your house for help if they're not showing up with a broom they're not are they even a witch sending you away <laughs> right but are, you are you showing up on the broom that's, <laughs> that's, the that's the, yeah. also transportation <laughs> i i mean that'd be the one thing that if <clears throat> if i could fly on a broom i wouldn't i'm terrified of heights or i'd just be hovering like like six inches off the ground <laughs> at all times. yeah like <laughs> the hovering cars from star wars yeah. like i would never go beyond it i'm like no and uh we've seen from the video and myself that poor broom would break so <laughs> So you um, work at the uh, you work at the ghost tours. Obviously, you do yes. palm readings at the building. Um, and you've made it clear that you don't you don't do the tours. You also haven't no. gone on the tours, but that's okay. No, I we, tried to go um, on the tours once. It did not work. Really? Yeah. So, from just just to check on the legitimacy of I, I mean, I, I did my homework on the video. Do you know about the locations? Because I do want to get a little bit into San Antonio. Do you know about the locations? Do the things that we were talking about kind of check out? Do you know? So, so yes. Yeah, so outside of my job, I am working on my anthropology degree, and history is part of anthropology. So yes, I do. I do know about the Alamo. I did live in San Antonio for around eight years, from middle school to high school. Funny enough, I never noticed the Emily Morgan Hotel either, and I've been to the Alamo three times before I moved back down. So do not feel bad if you do not recall. I do not recall it. <laughs> um, but I was, uh, wasn't prevalent enough to me. I was living on Fort Sam Houston at the time. So I normally stayed on base. Um, but yes, so the Alamo, very bloody history, even there are still unaccounted for bodies that could be buried anywhere in the vicinity up to two miles around the Alamo. Um, bodies can still be found during certain excavations. Um, one of the haunted hotels actually is opening back up. It should have opened back up. They, well, they said around Christmas time this year was the Crockett hotel. They closed down due to COVID. They should be opening back up at the end of this year, beginning of next year. Um, that's a very haunted location. And also it has the, um, the order of the weird fellows or the society of the odd fellows, something like that was, there was a secret society that was there. Um, but the Emily Morgan hotel itself, uh, great, um, neo-gothic architecture the gargoyles are great um yes from everything that i know about the history yes there's also two ley lines i believe that run um adjacent and one runs through the alamo itself and mm -hmm. um you can do dowsing to find them i'm pretty sure there's a few maps that have ley lines on them and for those who don't know what ley, on, ley lines are they're natural veins and like strings of energy that run under the earth's surface kind of like a uh, telecular current of a spiritual and energy in that regard so yeah we discussed that a couple of weeks ago on the um 
Bel Air house. Yep, so the, yeah, the Bel Air house. Now, the, how that whole street was kind of haunted because it was on a ley line. So we do know about that. So uh, you mentioned the Crockett Hotel. We saw the Crockett Hotel when we were on your side quest searching for a black candle. And we searched. We tried to, that was the hotel the we were originally trying to book and couldn't. And that must be why, because it's closed. Right. Yeah. So we noticed that. And then the other one. And so I full on, we blew it not going to the the Menger bar, the bar inside the Menger Hotel. <laughs> I had no idea about it until like we did the ghost tour and then they took us to the Menger Hotel. And I was like, oh, this is a cool hotel. It's got some cool history. And the, the stories that they told us about it was were were really cool. And I think, man, like there's supposed to be like. I've heard accounts of like 30 ghosts all the way up to like 45 plus. And I think that that one must rival the Emily Morgan to be which one is more haunted. Now I'm not disappointed with our stay. I think the Emily Morgan was awesome, but going back and just going over the history of the Menger hotel. Like if we go back to San Antonio, that's where I want to stay. No way. We stay. If we go back to San Antonio, we are absolutely staying at the holiday Inn, which we didn't <laughs> talk about. That used to be a prison. Yeah, where they buried all the bodies where there is now a swimming pool. <laughs> that yeah. is the one. And we got some footage there. That that one is cool. Christian, if if you were to pick a haunted hotel, knowing what you know about San Antonio, which where would you go? Oh, I'm gonna get spoke now now I gotta be the spokesperson for San Antonio haunted. That's right. Um <laughs> oh. so I like the Black Swan Inn. I'm not sure if you can still rent rooms there. Um, it's another haunted location. Also, the, uh, the the witches of San Antonio meet there. You can find the Brujahas, the witches doing their dances um, every three months there. Um, that one I heard is really, really lovely. I've only been there on the grounds once. It's more um, Americana Gothica, though. Um, don't ask me to define that because that's, that's just the words that came to my mind. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've heard of the black swan and that one, like all the ghost shows, like they've gone there multiple times. That's why I kind of avoid it. Cause I was like, all right, let me uh, well, see what be, the ghost all right. shows have done. Then but, I would say the me. Crockett hotel would honestly be the one that I would want to stay in because it has a history of killing its staff, the, the hotel itself, not, not the people working there. Um, I don't know if you guys know the history, but it has a, it used to have a murderous elevator that has killed two women, two maids, the same exact way a few years apart from each other. A murderous what? Elevator. 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 Oh, Jesus. Um, which also you can get sightings of masked and robed men out in the courtyard of the Alamo because the Crockett Hotel sits right behind the Alamo. There have been histories of seeing shadowy figures, soldiers um, from both uh, Santa Ana's and the Texas Revolutionaries as well. So I would say the Crockett Hotel, if you can go there, I believe that would be the best. But at the same time, though, I... I'd, I wouldn't want to go there if I wanted to find a haunting. Uh, sure, these places are haunted, but as basically a retired ghost hunter, if you will, more so I was the cleanup crew, if anything. So spirit janitor um, was my job. <laughs> <laughs> um, or um, I don't know, phantasmal custodian, whichever you want to call it. Um, that was my merch, job. You should get some merch made. We're, we're getting business cards <laughs> yeah. with those with those on it. The ghost odian. <laughs> there it is. Um, please send me one if you do. Um, <laughs> but I would want to go out away from the city proper, out around where it's a little bit more wooded. I would mm -hmm. like to like San Antonio is a large city. You can find wooded parks. 
But spiritual activity will mostly be found, in my perspective, around the waterways. So follow follow the rivers. That's where the blood flowed. That's where the bodies dammed it up. Look there. Look into where the trees are old because they remember. They have rings from that time. Majority of those trees in San Antonio remember those battles. Some of them still pres- uh, well, still live to this very day. Oak trees are very powerful trees. So where an oak is, you'll find activity, whether that's from the nature spirits or from history itself. Um, but outside of that, it's the, it's the quiet places, not the hustle and bustle that you'll find your true terrifying spirits and some of your saddest stories. Also, right. railways. Any, anywhere there's a, a railroad track, you will find spiritual activity. So that's what I would say. Um, so as the person that didn't get to go on this trip, why don't I just want to ask Jesse, Dave and Andrew, when you were in San Antonio, was there a particular place that you felt like you were experiencing more or that you were like, damn, I other than obviously the mango hotel for you, Jesse, but is there like a place where you're like, man, I wish we could spend more time in this particular place? Or was the Emily Morgan where you guys were like on that last night, just like, this is what we came for. Yeah. I mean, the Emily Morgan for me anyways, was that was from the moment we stepped in there. I mean, the lobby was really nice. You felt like you were at, you know, Foxwoods or something like that. Like it was a beautiful lobby, but as soon as you got in the elevator and got off at the floor, you're like, Ooh, like it was kind of had like a heavy feeling to it. Mm-hmm. And you knew that like, like something's off with this building. And yeah. so, I mean, we didn't do much in terms of investigating the first couple of nights. We were kind of, you know, we were linking up with Seth and we were, you know, exploring the city and going down to the river walk and checking out restaurants and stuff like that. So, <clears throat> um, once we sobered up night three, <laughs> night three, that's when like we started actually like, all right, let's, let's look into this stuff. And, uh, and that's when she started going crazy. And we're like, man, like, like this is, this is it. But, and I'm just saying just, just out of the research that I've done since the trip. Now I'm like, damn, I want to stay at the Menger. I want to go drink in that bar with Teddy Roosevelt's ghost. You know, that's, that's where I'm like that. that that's where I'm going to go next to next time. What about you, Andrew? Not a ghost I can think of that I would want to drink at a bar with more than Teddy Roosevelt's. <laughs> that's that the one. pretty good. For me, it was the um, the uh, the Holiday Inn there that I just talked about. Right. It used to be a prison. They used to hang people in the prison, like they hang prisoners there, and then bury them on the property. And they they say that there's just tons of activity there, and to the point where I was like, I'm listening. I'm like, like, de- like we we stayed at the wrong one, man. And it's yeah. the building. It's like they painted it like a, a Holiday Inn, mm-hmm. but they uh, weren't they allowed had, to yeah, structurally they had to keep change the, anything. Yep. They wanted they wanted to change it. They wanted to, but that building is a prison painted like an old eighteen hundreds prison painted in Holiday Inn colors, which is preposterous. But yeah, they still have the bars on the windows. Like it, it's, it's still it's, it's still crazy. a prison. Yeah, the historical yeah. society society wouldn't let them change the actual structure of their building. But um, that's a cool looking building. It's not as cool looking as the Emily Morgan, but. What about you, Andrew? Uh, my vote would be the um, the Holiday Inn. I want to stay at the uh, the hotel where the staff has to sign waivers to work there. Yeah. Yeah, they mentioned that on the tour. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Oh, and about the tour, to be fair, Christian, we signed up for the other, your competitor's tour before we met you guys. So we actually oh. thought about it. We we're like, we should cancel and do, the, and do this tour. And then I'm like, ah, let's not do that. It's nothing personal. Nothing no, personal. Oh, uh, no hard feelings. Um, 
I understand it. Uh, I'm just happy that you guys happened to come into the shop and I was able to read um, as much as you, uh, much of y'all as I could. And I'm glad that you guys came back. Um, very rare to, you know, somebody comes in like, hey, I want a demon. What you got? <laughs> and then let alone for them to return to like, we got what you asked. Every every single person we tell the story to is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny is that like like the wife knows the story. Like I got home, told her the story. I was like, Oh yeah, you know, we got a poltergeist in a box, mail it home, shake all cool, whatever. Then like last night we watched the the episode, which obviously you guys just saw. And she's and she's watching like the whole like seance thing, and she's like, what the fuck? She's like, I know you guys did all this. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, we're just trying to see if this stuff is real. Yeah. To, be, to be fair, we're like, we're like, oh, this is this is cool. We're gonna buy a ghost in a box. This is fun. This is this is you know, this is exactly what we should be doing is buying ghosts in boxes. Then we get there and we start doing the ritual, and I'm like, as soon as the tarot oh, card yeah, came off, I'm, yes. <laughs> I'm so mad I wasn't there. For this. I was like, oh boy, this exact same thing for me. I thought like, oh, I'll get a ghost in a box, and you're gonna turn around and be like, oh. There's a ghost in the box. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get them off the shelf next to the Skittles. <laughs> right? uh, if oh, only, but yep, I've got that deck with me. My, oh, nice. Uh, there nice. it is. Very nice. So we have nice. Christian's contact info, right? We do. Y'all yeah. should, yeah. Because uh, maybe when we do a Wyoming episode, we can touch base with Christian and get that other story. Um, right. Tie that in. Yeah. And uh, Just please... And- Salem too. We're doing a Salem episode soon. So that's, Christian that's hates Salem. I got the- well, no, what? I I love I, <laughs> I love Salem because I was born on the anniversary of the first witch to be put to death in Salem, Bridget Bishop. Her death day is my birthday. Oh, so I've God. always attributed that to uh, so it's oh your wow. Fault. So you're the <laughs> so bomb. It's, it's, so it's all your fault. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so I love Salem, but I I don't like Salem culture. When it comes to witchdom, if you will, witchery, um, especially in the modern perspective. But if you do go to Salem, um, if you guys are Massachusettsites, I, I don't know what people from Massachusetts are called. So assholes, not that. that yeah. assholes. <laughs> um, definitely go to any of uh, Lori Cabot's shop. She's the official witch of Salem. Um, she's been at her craft for a very long time. Just be very careful for the mainstream witch shops. They'll try to overcharge you. Their spells are very, I don't want to say they don't happen. I don't, I don't want to say they don't put intent into it. I know that they do. But at the same time though, when you're in such a market, you can't give all of yourself all of the time, especially yeah, when we, you're we've gotten, we, we mentioned this, I think on last, the last episode, but we've gotten our fair share of bullshit from Salem. Like, like palm readings that just get everything wrong. Or like a a palm reading that literally got everything wrong for me. I think, uh, I think Christian, I mean, to be fair, like I completely agree with you, Christian. I think it's, you can kind of, I know you don't want to like throw anyone under the bus, but I think you can kind of like when you're walking by a shop, you kind of know what you're looking at when you see it. And to your point, you know, what we've gotten into this too is, is where, you know, some of these locations, they, they make it more, I don't know, just, just, they, they, they oversell like, it. They yeah. They oversell it, it you know, like, like with like uh, the branding and everything like that. And they just, they yeah. overdo it. Like um, we had mentioned uh, multiple times, we went to the house where the conjuring was filmed. Nope. And um, no, 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 we nope. went to the we actual to the house. Conjuring where house. The sorry, actual conjuring sorry. House. The actual house where it was based off of. And um, 
and they just put Annabelle dolls everywhere, and they have like a fake Annabelle case that you had mentioned earlier, Christian, with, with, with like a fake. It's just like yeah. you don't need to you do it. It, it doesn't need it. It yeah. doesn't like because you, you pull in, and you're just like the house is ominous, and it's like oof, shivers down the spine, and then you walk in, and you feel like you're walking into a gift shop. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just yeah, and, 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 and one of the rules on the waivers that you sign is like you cannot bring Ouija boards and you cannot conjure anything. And then you walk in and they got a fucking Ouija board blanket draped over the couch. You're like, oh, but I can't bring one. And I got one. But that was... Maybe that like, was, you can't bring it because we already got enough. Yeah, but that <laughs> was also many from, boards. In fairness, that was through the people that we booked through. The owners are okay with Ouija boards. There. Okay. So that I, okay. I'll give them that. But like, yeah, I mean, that place didn't need to be dressed up. That place is ominous. It's scary on its own account. And to add stuff takes away. And we're going to talk about that, I think, next week. So Next week, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, can I ask a question to you guys that did come down to San Antonio? Please try. Wow. Um, <laughs> well, no, I was going to ask you yours on your own. I want to get this into a two-parter to get perspective. Sure. Hang on. Let me um, just remove Rob from the entire stream. So my question was, when you guys went in, to Bad Wolf Ghost Tours and Reading Room. What were you expecting from booking readings, let alone anything? What what was your like first thought? And then what was your thought when you left after I did the readings? So for me, because I am the resident skeptic, um, <laughs> I thought when I walked into Bad Wolf Ghost Tours to get a we walked in for the palm reading. That's why, because we like to get wherever if you get if you're advertising palm readings, I'm getting my palm read because I like to gauge um, how legitimate or how bullshit I think the people are that are doing it just because it's fun for me. So uh, I went in fully expecting Salem, which my experience with Salem palm readings is always a joke. And um, I went in and we met you and you did your thing with us. And uh, I was, I, you, I didn't get a bullshit feeling from you. We liked you off the bat and thought you did a, uh, a really good job with it to the point where we come, came back later that night and talked about, you know, buying ghosts and then came back again the next day. So like if you, if I, yeah, if I thought you sucked, there's no, there's 0% chance I would have done that. So we we're impressed. I think you guys have a really good, um, I like your store. We poked around in there for a long time. Um, the people that are work there are all really cool. So that is my honest, uh, opinion. Andrew, did you get your palm read? Honest feedback. What is your feedback? Um, <laughs> I think that was my first time ever getting my palm read and I, uh, I would consider it a positive experience. Um, I don't quite remember the specifics because we almost immediately started talking about buying ghosts in boxes and then that's where my head was. <laughs> yeah. A um, little bit more on that. Um, I've been saying ever since that trip, uh, we are the world's worst ghost hunters. So bad that we had to literally buy a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> bring it back to the most haunted hotel. In the yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I didn't get my palm read, so I can't really read into it, but I, I did like the shop. Some of the footage in the video was actually from the shop with those little pictures that you have of the ghosts that are in town. You probably noticed that. I did. I noticed the pumpkins at first, the little uh, ceramic white pumpkins. I'm like, hey, mm -hmm. we have those in our store. And then I looked over, I'm like, that's the store. Oh, that's why. So, yeah. So I was like, oh, <laughs> I know those. It was perfect because I couldn't find a picture of Emily Morgan online. <laughs> and then uh, I found yours. So I was like, aha, you have one. I'm going to take a video. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Credit to. Uh, Bad Wolf Ghost Tours for some of the uh, footage inside that video. So, and and uh, my question was for um, King Coakley. Coakley. Rob's fine, yeah. but yes. Oh, 
<laughs> Hello, Mr. Rob. Um, so what is, when you go past a palm reader or card reader or psychic, I, I don't like that term myself, but it's thrown around. So what is your first impression? Have you, and then afterwards, have you ever came across an accurate one? Have you found people who act as a good representative of the occult community through divination? Uh, so in terms of the palm reading, a lot of the stuff that I've seen is through the Salem, the main streets of Salem. And I think it goes back to what we were just talking about with like the Annabelle dolls and stuff where it's a little too dressed up. I will say that there is a shop in downtown Salem that, um, I have not personally gotten a palm reading from, but walking past it, it has a different vibe. So I think that would be a more positive experience. Um, and I do, which one's that we, we always go to the same spot in Salem. Yeah. So I don't know if I went to it with you guys, but there's an, it's, it's not the very main Essex street. It's, it's down around the corner. I believe we'll check it out next time we go. I'm sure we're going to go soon. Yeah. Um, I wish I had the name because it's, you know, that would make things easier. But uh, so, like, I do want to check that one out. I also think the the problem for myself is I think we we go in September or October, right? So I, have you been to Salem in, in September, October, specifically October? Um, myself? Yes. No, I've never been. I want to go to Salem. Uh, I want to try to go this June for my birthday. Yeah. Uh, so Hit us up. We'll meet you out there. Yeah. All right. We'll do. We're 40 minutes from there. Yeah. Awesome. So we've so all invited asked, ourselves to your birthday party. We just, we definitely just invited ourselves 100%. to your birthday party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in. So, so I bring it up because Thanks. I think <laughs> when you go to Salem in, in October, uh, it's awesome. I'm Let me just start by saying that because it's, it fully embraces the culture. It, it doesn't hide from it. It it leans into it. But I also think it leans into it a tad too much some. So I think they're bringing in a lot more palm readers and people that maybe don't have the experience. Just from what I've seen where like maybe if you go in June, like you're saying, the, the people that are there are a little more... Um, yeah, they're not just overstaffed. They're just not overstaffed yeah. trying to pump absolutely these things attest out. To that because I went when we went down there in July. We went, July. We went yep. twice in July, mm -hmm. um, different Julys, and we had way better experience, more of an authentic feel. Um, whereas when we went and got my, when I got, went and got our proms read in um, October, it was really close to Halloween. I had a feeling that the person reading my palm was just like. Just hired, hired, <laughs> making paid by the hour, like not yeah. anyone of any significance. They're just like someone who applied for a job and got the job and was like, guess. Yeah, they're just trying <laughs> to pump like really vague things. Yeah. And it feels like they're trying to pump volume out then, whereas. Which is exactly what I think they were doing. You have a dad. Another yeah. time, they might just be more authentic and giving you the time that's needed. I'm not sure what that time. I don't do it. So, like, I'm sure there's some time that you need to. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So I, I hope that answers the question a little. Um, it does. Better. And I, I would agree. Commercialism has really bastardized and bombarded um, the niche, witchy, kitschy, um, paranormal, occult uh, communities. Um, but spells sell, I suppose, as they say. So. Mm -hmm. 
that it does. And I and I do hang out with a girl who does a lot of um, stuff in the witch sector, I guess. But she's not doing palm reading. She's not doing other stuff. She um, she goes and does like full moon ceremonies and stuff. I'm not sure. I'm not overly <laughs> familiar with it, but. Um, that's very ceremonial and no, nothing uh nothing against it um people do that that's a very uh new age uh practice yeah. which uh, i'm not using that term as slanderous or anything that's just that really started to rise with the advent of wicca in the occult communities and many people do uh full moon uh ceremonies i th- believe it's called calling Down the moon is what they do um very, very interesting ceremony if you ever get the chance or are invited i would definitely say uh, go and take it um it's it's a beautiful thing to be part of i i can't speak for her and her um the sect that she does with it but i know if you ever get the chance and she invites you oh she she well did i was supposed to go to this last she wanted me to go to the last one but uh it was on a sunday and as everyone knows rob does nothing on sundays during football season so it's true very true very gotcha. true yeah. So that's San Antonio. I want to thank you, Christian, for uh, for joining us on the show and uh, bringing you. your expertise. You were very helpful. And um, we're going to keep you posted on the progress of the Kikimura box and what happens with it. And Andrew right. will keep us. Andrew has been documenting the process. So I have. Uh, so far, it's been quite enjoyable, I must say. Oh, good. I'm glad. Um, yes. Just don't make it mad. <laughs> Go back and watch the uh, episode during the part that he's talking about his his um, experiences at the trailer park in Wyoming and watch the EMF reader next to the Kikimora. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to uh, highlight that because it did, uh, it did hit a few times. So uh, we'll keep you uh documented on that. Christian, I want to thank you again for joining the show. And, and thank um, you guys for having me. If, if you do Good come up to Salem in June, if you want to invite us, we'll be there. So you let us know. Definitely. Thank you guys. Have a great night and have a happy new year. Happy new year. Appreciate it. So that was, uh, that was the, San Antonio episode and with uh, our special guest, Christian from San Antonio. <clears throat> Anything else you guys want to touch on in the episode? I just thought it was really cool, man. I, like I said, I, I legitimately wish that was one that I could have gone on. But Emily Morgan looked amazing, even one if it was. One of the coolest looking buildings I've ever seen. Yeah, and just I walked by that. that building. I was like, I just want to go into that building. It was really cool to be able to spend a few nights there and, uh, you know, experience that. Yeah, I think that's going to be the problem with cities that we do get to go to. Um, there's just going to be so much that we're going to want to do that we can't get to, right? Like, because you can't, you just can't stay at every hotel, you, you know. Yeah, or, true. Yeah, or, so or haunted house. I was breeding I'm glad, a, uh, go ahead, Andrew. No, I'm glad we chose Emily Morgan because if we got like the Mangor Hotel or the Holiday Inn, we would be walking yeah. to Salem. We would see the Emily Morgan from everywhere, and we're like, "Why didn't we do that?" That's the yeah, one. Yeah, I know. And we it heard it was haunted. What's wrong with us? Right. <laughs> Although the, the Holiday Inn is the Holiday. You keep, are we going to call the episode the Holiday Inn? It's like yeah. I think our gameplay. If we, if we go really, back, and if you're dead really set cool on looking. going to the, if you're dead set on going to the Holiday Inn, I think we stay at the Menger Hotel and we do one night at the Holiday Inn because it is still the Holiday Inn Express. We have higher standards than that. Okay? We do have higher standards. So we'll go there for also, a night. We'll do our investigation. Also probably the cheapest one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that was what they told us on the ghost tour. So, yeah, that's San Antonio. Uh, this is a bit of a longer episode, but you know we had a lot that's to fine. go through. So, um, like Joe Rogan length episode here. 
It no, was, yeah. It's not that long. No, it's not three hours yet. It's not three days. <laughs> <laughs> An entire three-day episode. No. So next week is the uh, Conjuring House. Andrew, if you're free, we'll bring you back on for the Conjuring House episode because you were there as well. You got to gotta talk less next time, though. Yeah. Yeah, I really need you to shut the fuck up next time. <laughs> That's that. okay. All right. Cool. cool. All right. Very good. So, um, yeah, I think that'll do it. So next week is the Conjuring, and then uh, we'll keep going from there. We got Rob's two-part episode from Illinois. 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 Isn't that right? <laughs> All right, cool. All right. Well, thank you guys for uh, for tuning in, and we will uh, catch you next week. We'll be back on Tuesday of next week or Monday. We'll see. But we'll, we'll keep you guys posted. Follow us on Twitter for updates on that. Gentlemen, have a good night. <laughs> <laughs>